Hello, and welcome back to the Georgetown Public Policy Review podcast. I'm your host, Sneha Chowdhury, and today I am so excited to unveil the first part of a two-part conversation with two of the White House Deputy Communications Directors. Live from the West Wing, I sat down with Jennifer Molina and Herbie Ziskind to discuss strategic communications, trends in media, as well as their personal career progressions. In today's episode, I speak with Jen. Jen is Special Assistant to the President of the United States of America and Deputy Communications Director at the White House. She has over a decade of experience in strategic communications with a specialization in coalitions and constituencies media, which we'll discuss later on in today's episode. During my internship at the White House earlier this year, Jen was also my supervisor, as well as a role model and a really good friend to me. I have learned so much from working with Jen, and I am really excited for you all to get the opportunity to do the same. I think you will really enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Jen. It is so exciting to have you on the podcast today. Hi. Thank you for having me. How are you today? I'm great. Has it been a busy day or more relaxed? It's been a busy Busy day, busy week. I mean, it's Tuesday. It feels yeah. like it should be Friday, but it's not. Uh, but we're hanging in there. Well, we're almost there. Well, actually, not really, but we'll, we'll make it through the next four days. <laughs> um, so I, there's so many things I want to talk about with you today, but let's just start from the beginning. Can you talk a little bit, just high level, about the progression of your career, specifically, what is your North Star, and how has that helped you navigate? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, I have dedicated my career to communications. I love um, political policy, advocacy, communications. I grew up knowing nothing about our government or how it functions or the resources available to someone like me and my family or those that look like me and my family or have similar experiences. Um, And I grew up in a really... um, you know, in an inner city poverty, um, and it took me leaving that situation and going to school in Michigan to realize that, wow, there is a different world. I always aspired for more, but I didn't really know what I was aspiring for. I just wanted more, I wanted different. And I think for me, you know, it really kind of just sparked that like passion of ensuring that there is a constant, like there is, uh, intention and in reaching out to you know all the various different communities and I really just kind of stumbled upon communications I thought I wanted to be a lawyer or I don't know something different I didn't really know what communications was and um, thankfully I had a really great um, experience interning in DC at the Center for American Progress um, and you know I was very eager in my 20s um, and I jumped at every opportunity that came my way and I actually was a policy intern um, but I fell in love with the communications team and I would just constantly pop into their offices (laughs) and um, eventually they started handing me more and more responsibilities and thankfully I had the ability to build a lot of really great relationships with people at CAP and um, after I graduated I moved to New York I was at a PR firm, Berlin Rosen, um, which I loved. I was doing a lot of advocacy communications around Fight for 15 in New York. 
Um, so it was media training McDonald workers on how to you know, speak to CNN about your experience and why you're fighting for a fair wage. Um, I fell in love you know, with media training and you know, working with booking and getting cameras to a, a specific press conference or a specific you know, kind of showcasing the, the why behind a policy. Right. So working through um, getting people into someone's home that, you know, and they're living in really poor conditions because they don't have enough funding to be able to provide for their family. Um, and through that, I just I really loved, you know, having the ability to work with media and kind of the, the idea of storytelling. And I got a call um, from the Center for American Progress and they were like, hey, would you be interested in coming back to D.C.? And, you know, we have this role opening. Um, are you interested? And I was like, yes, I, I always wanted to come back to DC. Um, and I moved and uh, I started off doing like ethnic media, coalitions, constituency media. I've dedicated a lot of my career to that. Um, and little by little, I started again, kind of, I really liked the C4 kind of electoral work. Um, and same thing, I was just hanging out in people's offices and <laughs> being very eager for more work. And I um, became the deputy to the communications director at the CAP Action side. Um, and this was right before 2016. Um, so I was doing a lot of our state work. I got to travel to Nevada and Colorado and all the key states um, to advocate for and do press conferences and um, you know different events around childcare and healthcare, um, do a lot of the work around the Supreme Court fights. Um, LGBT and healthcare rights were, you know, on the line that court cycle, and um, it was just really, really incredible experience. And um, doing a lot of the state work made me just fall in love with like state advocacy. Um, and I realized, you know, when I was hosting a lot of like tables, you call them, um, mm -hmm. from people across states, I was one of the only few people that didn't have state experience. Um, so I felt like a little bit of a rookie, um, and that made me want to uh, jump on the 2016 campaign for Hillary Clinton. And I went to Nevada, which was a phenomenal experience. I think everyone should do a campaign. I've told you that many times. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think it was um, just a really good experience kind of being on the ground and um, having the ability to connect with voters directly and, um, you know, working like state reporters is like a different beast. Um, but it was a lot of fun and then obviously um, it was not the results that we wanted, but I think I just really gained so much from that cycle. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, I thought I was done with politics. I wanted to um, move back, well, not move back to DC. I, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm never going back to DC. <laughs> Please keep me away. <laughs> Uh, so I moved to LA and I freelanced for a little um, and I again didn't want to go back into politics um, but I couldn't stay away mm -hmm. I um, got the opportunity to work for the California Department of Justice and that was a lot of fun because it was a lot of you know kind of uh, outlining like the California versus Trump narrative um, and it was setting up uh, Attorney General Harris at that time was transitioning out and we got Attorney General Becerra. So it was like starting an office from scratch. Um, and I think that gave me a lot of really unique experiences. So like kind of know how to build a team up and really kind of deal with career staff and non-career staff, et cetera. 
Yeah, so you kind of mentioned in the beginning of your intro that you don't really come from a political background and politics, as we all know, is filled with nepotism. So how do you navigate the nepotistic, I looked that up, it is a word, (laughs) how do you navigate the nepotistic system that is politics and what is your advice for building network and building a community for somebody who's just starting out and maybe doesn't have any connections? Yeah, I think, you know, to your earlier question of like having your North Star is so important. You know, I think you see so many people who are just kind of just caught up in like, the power or you know it's like we do this this is a service like Mm -hmm. we are so fortunate to have the ability to do the work that we do and you know work for someone like Joe Biden who is incredible and just like really deeply believes in you know doing the best that he can do and and that really inspires all of us right to do the best that we can do for the American people you know this is a phenomenal country and I think for me like I constantly think about like opportunity, like giving someone the opportunity that I that I have, um, and that's like really, really, and it always like it makes me choked out because it's it's just it's a huge blessing to be able to do this work, and I think just keeping your North Star, it's a really good reminder. I remember like being young and uh, just overwhelmed by oh my God, how do you navigate like DC? How do you navigate being in these rooms? And it's so scary, and you just you really have to have a North Star and like holding on to that North Star and building community and having like your core people that keep you going is really important. You made me also choke up <laughs> during that answer because I think that's so beautiful. Um, so like you mentioned, you were a day one appointee of the Biden administration. So you have been here since the jump, probably literally every single day working since then. So what was the process behind building out a communications team from what you've told me it was just three of you in the beginning right uh no no we had a larger team so it was within my what are you referencing i feel like we had talked about how there were just i don't know like early on in the administration there were just three of you maybe it felt it felt like (laughs) it was just three of us No, so we, um, so I started off, um, right, so the campaign ended, we, um, a few of us kind of stayed behind to deal with all of the, like, state work that was ongoing, there was a lot of ballot challenges, um, and then it was around Thanksgiving, we transitioned into the transition, it was like two days, um, where I didn't really know what was going on, and it's like, hey, you're jumping on a transition, um, (laughs) which was great. Um, and during the transition, we had the ability to kind of build up a lot of our team. You know, we had Kate Bedingfield, who was our communications director. Um, I remember at the time being like just so exciting. It was like December, where it was like an all-female-led communications team. That's so bad. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I was so excited for that. And, you know, at that point, I still didn't fully know. Kate kept saying, oh, don't worry, you're going to get taken care of. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I like to have a plan for everything, like this is working me out, Um, but she kept reassuring, don't worry, don't worry. Um, So yeah, we started off and you know, it was just so kind of crazy because at that point we were at the height of the pandemic still and um, I remember telling my husband like when I got the job, I'm like, okay, Kate told me that I have to be there in two weeks. Um, And at that point we were still living, like we had everything in Santa Monica, so we moved back to move 
we went back to California um, to move all of our things and make a move across the country, um, which was really challenging in yeah. the middle of a pandemic. It's like, how do you get movers? And how do you, like, it was just um, a lot. Um, but it was, you know, really, really great um, to have the ability. To, we had a really great team on the campaign, and a lot of the camp, of, of that original team kind of transitioned over to be day one. And um, it was really interesting because, you know, we had all of these, like, going from typing out all of our campaign promises, right, and, like, kind of building out, like, I don't know, messaging around that to actually implementing mm -hmm. I think was my favorite part and uh, a challenging part of being here so early on um, right we didn't really know um, who we were communicating agencies were also still getting built out and um, it was a lot of work on our team like now thankfully we have so many communicators across all of government which is amazing and you know sometimes it feels like you're just like moving a shit forward and mm -hmm. um, you know, early on, you're just like fully building it all out and um, you don't really know where to turn. And we just have to showcase, you know, confidence and leadership. And, um, you know, it was really exciting to have the ability to like roll a policy rollout and kind of working through a TikTok. I remember we had like a check in in the morning, like midday, afternoon and like 6 p.m. and then like 9 p.m. We were just like constantly <laughs> in communication just in every three hours. <laughs> Honestly, it was just a lot and we were all um, just trying to figure it out, you know, and I think I got to build up my team. Um, I started, I was the only one of the coalition media department. Maybe mm -hmm. that's, that's the reference we're talking about. Um, so I was kind of managing everything, you know, it was like we were rolling our equity agenda and it was like, figure out a strategy for black media and rural and women's and AAPI and Hispanic. And I was like, oh, okay, great, yes. And then, you know, we have a pretty aggressive booking uh, strategy here, <laughs> as you know. Um, so it was, it was a lot of um, uh, not sleeping much, um, but it was a really exciting time. And I was just, again, just really fortunate to have the most phenomenal colleagues with me. Um, you know, I have, like some of my best friends are people that I like did a campaign with and started day one um, because we just really bonded uh, throughout that process. And um, yeah, it was really, really incredible. And, it, and it's been really phenomenal kind of like looking back how much the team has grown, um, the capacity that's been, been built out um, and just how much we've been able to accomplish is really, really cool to see. Yeah, yeah. So you, you talked a little bit about Coalitions Media. Just for any listeners that might not be familiar, can you explain what Coalitions Media is? Yeah, so Coalitions Media is um, essentially thinking through like any core, like we, this is like a, when I originally spoke with Kate Bedenfield about it, it's like, you know, coal, like the Joe Biden coalition, right? We're thinking mm -hmm. through key constituency and key community groups that we need to target. Um, and right, a communication strategy, a good communication strategy is ensuring that you are communicating to everyone that is, has a potential or is benefiting from X, Y, and Z policy. Um, so it's kind of thinking through proactively of how are we engaging, right, not only at a state level, but kind of breaking that down of, okay, this is on, you know, infrastructure, like let's build out and work with our policy folks to ensure we're building out 
How is this benefiting women? Are we creating jobs for women? Um, are, how is this benefiting the black community, Hispanic community, et cetera? So it's working with just um, constituency specific um, outlets uh, to ensure that you know we're getting our message out there and um, it looks really different in multiple ways, right? You can't, again, back to the point of like building out a good communication strategy is ensuring that you're kind of hitting people in all different ways, right? You want someone to wake up and see on, you know, morning news that uh, Joe Biden's economy is phenomenal and you want them to get in the car to go to work and you turn on the radio and one of our surrogates is on speaking about how great the economy is right now. Um, and then they get into the office and they pick up a newspaper and they see that same <laughs> message, right? You just have to, the, People just consume news in so many different ways now that it's just really important to kind of think through like every way possible to reach someone, right? And yeah. I think coalitions is like a step further of like, okay, when you think about a specific constituency group or community, where are they getting their news? Sometimes it's like, you know, trusted sources that like they don't watch the typical less than less people watch, you know, the MS and CNNs mm -hmm. of the world and they're on the shade room or you know different outlets um so it's really important for our team to develop those relationships and um con connect directly you know I, I hate saying this line of like reaching people where they are but it, it is really that i think constituency and coalitions media is really just all about you know ensuring that we're reaching people where they're getting their news yeah yeah so i just interviewed herbie right before this and we talked a lot about that multi-pronged approach as well i want i'm curious to know from your perspective because you are an immigrant how do you meaningfully and authentically engage around coalitions media and reaching different audiences without feeling like you're just checking a box like how do you actually make it meaningful to a group and how have your lived experiences kind of played a role in that yeah i think you know we always um try to we have a phenomenal team one that does this and like they have incredible relationships um with you know key community leaders that advise us on where to go um, but I think so much of it is also listening, right? It's like listening, like, what are you not hearing from us? Like, how do you want to gather this information, right? If we present you with X, Y, and Z surrogate and you don't think that surrogate makes sense for you, okay, we can change that and we can give you someone that can break this down in a different way or can speak the language or, you know, mm -hmm. I think so much of ensuring that we're doing it intentionally is just developing those relationships and listening and ensuring that we can effectively build a two-way relationship right because it's it's not just like us feeding 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 we also receive a lot of feedback and that feedback is so so important for us to just continue doing the work yeah yeah so transitioning a little bit into your role today can you walk the listeners through what an average day looks like for Jemalina? Oh, God. <laughs> and I know every day is different, so. Every day is very different. Honestly, um, every day is so different. As, as I mentioned, um, you know, in my current role, I now manage kind of like what I, like it's all of our media directors. Um, so it's a group of individuals who are phenomenal and are just dedicated to getting our message out into the country. Um, so it's, you know, waking up, doing a scan of news, um, and... What time do you wake up? Uh, I generally wake up around 5-ish. I like to run <laughs> in the morning. When I don't run, it's 
the days are not good days for me. <laughs> I, uh, it's my outlet, you know. Um, I also like to like spend time with my dog in the morning as much as I can. Sweet MJ. MJ is the best. Mm -hmm. um, and get to spend time with my husband. We like we have this thing where every single day, no matter what, we we walk MJ together. <laughs> um, and I think that's important, you know, kind of just finding like little things to do because um, we don't get a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, you know, you have to just like make time to connect and. Um, that is our time. So I get up, walk MJ, uh, eat breakfast. I'm a big breakfast person. Uh, do a scan of the boiled knees. eggs. <laughs> I do love my boiled <laughs> eggs. Um, uh, have my coffee, uh, do a scan of the news, look at emails, um, kind of get our gauge of, you know, we generally have like the week ahead of like we know who's going out when, but you know, doing a check in with our team and seeing. Um, if everyone has everything that they need, um, you know, our folks are oftentimes running around quite a bit. So it's just ensuring that we're, you know, touching base with surrogates. Do people have talking points? You know, do, does everyone have what they need to be ensured that, you know, they can go out for that day? Um, then we have a series of meetings in the mornings. Um, uh, I help out on, you know, staffing whenever needed. Like it's, it's really all kind of hands on deck because we're such a small team. Um, and, you know, throughout the day, it's kind of just like a lot of like responding to like news of day and ensuring that, you know, if something is happening that we're being responsive to it and that we're kind of building up proactive like strategies and ensuring that we constantly are trying to shape our own narrative um, in a proactive way. And obviously the best way to do that is through our, you know, messaging and surrogate program. Um, so it's really hard to say an average day because there's really no average day. Every day is so different. Um, but well, that's part of what you love about it too, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I love, you know, every single day coming in and, um, you know, it still it still doesn't get old to me. Like it's just like, oh my god, I'm like walking into the White House and then getting the ability to think, you know, proactively and learn every single day. You're just learning, you know, on a million things, and I love that aspect of it. It's 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 different every day. You're learning constantly, and you again get to do it with the best people. So. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that part of your job, which is doing a thousand different things is managing the media director so you are very much a people leader um and like i remember every time that i would knock on your door because i wanted to sit on your couch and air my grievances somebody else was already sitting there <laughs> airing their grievances so you were almost acted like i don't know like an in-house therapist for so many people on the team why is it important for you to invest in your team and show up for your people and beyond that, how does that shape team culture, specifically in this environment, which is so stressful, like people just are looking for a reason to fly off the handle, like how do you kind of manage all of that? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really important to, um, it's, it is a really stressful environment and I think, you know, oftentimes people are really hard on themselves because we feel the pressure, right, of ensuring that we're delivering the best that we can. Um, and I think for my team, I, you know, I have a very much open door policy. People uh, come into my <laughs> office literally from, from both doors. I think this is funny to know is that there's two doors to your office. So like at any given time, someone is trying to come in and you just don't know which direction. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, you know, and, and I do love that. You know, I think it's important. I, I really try to ensure that people know that I am reachable and that, you know, you can come to me with anything. And um, especially my team, I think, you know, they all work so incredibly hard. And um, I really just like love having the ability to like build a, a good relationship with them so they can feel that, you know, they can come to me with any challenge and that I am here to problem solve. You know, I think me as a manager, I see myself first and foremost as like just problem solving all day long, um, but that I want to help them problem solve and whenever they feel like they're at a crossword where they don't really know where to go. Um, and I think it's just, you know, it's really important for all of us to kind of build community and just be here for each other. Um, that is just really, really important because as you mentioned, it's a really stressful job and um, there's always so much going on, but I also like to check in. You know, I always like tell them, how are you doing? Like, yes, okay, work, but like, how are you doing right now? Um, and I, I, I think that's just really, really important to ensure that there is a good, like, team cultural and you know we're building up morale and ensuring that people are you know being challenged that they're working towards goals that they have something to aspire to every single day and you know just keeping people motivated um it's also really important you know especially given that like we sometimes deal with like really hard hard mm -hmm. issues um so you know i think i i really try my best to you know, have my door open 24 seven and um, just be there for as many folks as I can because, you know, I was really fortunate to have like just incredible like mentors and bosses throughout my career and I just really, that I still am really close with um, and I really just try to, you know, do that as much as I can for my team because I just think it's so, so important for like your overall well being and just like ensuring that like we're getting the best of someone. Absolutely, and that you're not getting burnt out. Mm -hmm. I, like that's so easy to do in a job like this. So, kind of in the same vein, how do you take care of yourself while serving in this stressful environment? Like we talked about, you've been here since day one, particularly in the context of being a people leader, where it's one thing to be there for people, but it's also it's kind of like how therapists also have therapists, you know, because you are also then retaining this heavy information. And I know you you carry people's emotions with you because I know that I've had tough conversations with you and then the next day you've checked in on me because it was still weighing on you. So how do you take care of yourself and what would you recommend to somebody else about who might be up and coming in this field of what they should do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, that's a really good question. I think it's so, so important um, because, you know, beyond having your North Star, it's also just like checking in, like, with yourself and like knowing like your limitations and how far you can and cannot go. It's so, so important. It's something I emphasize to my team all the time. Um, I think, you know, I try to find small moments. Um, you know, I um, I remember Kate Bedingfield and Jen Zaki at that point gave me the best advice that I ever received working here was, um, you know, I remember I was sitting in Kate's office and Jen walked in, but I was just like crying about a specific situation. And I used to go into her office and cry a lot. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's again. really much like that's me to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know, and she gave me the best advice that she was just like, you know, whenever this job weighs on you, just take a, take a walk around the campus. And I was like, 
what? Like, how is that going to help me? <laughs> um, but honestly, it was like the best advice because any single time where I'm just kind of like, I don't know how to fix something and it's like really frustrating or, you know, I felt like, I don't know, any given moment, I just take a walk. And that has helped me out so, so much. And it's a good kind of reminder, right? Like we get so caught up in our day to days, but you know, you take a walk and you're just like, you see the, the White House like right in front of you. And it's like, this has been here for a long time. There's been many people who have come and go. I'm gonna, you know, it's it's just part of the process. And you, you're reminded that you're, you're part of something much bigger and like your problem then becomes really, really small. Um, so, you know, I think I try to do that as much as I can, take walks, um, find, finding community is really important. Um, you know, I think having the, go-to people that you can kind of just like go and vent to is like really important um, throughout your career. I, I've done that my whole life and um, it's really important to just build community wherever you are. Um, and um, yeah, finding like guilty pleasures. You know, I will have a cookie whenever I'm like, it's a bad day. I'm like, it's 6 oh, p.m. Yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna go have a coffee and a cookie <laughs> or I'm gonna go get a McFlurry from McDonald's. Those are the bad, bad things that I do that. Um, but no, I think it's, you know, kind of finding those moments for yourself, um, finding ways to, you know, find outlets. Like I said, I, I like to run and that really helps me, um, you know, not feel as overwhelmed. Um, and finding community, I would say, are like my core pillars. Yeah, so let's transition into the last part of the interview, which is the rapid fire questions. So what is the favorite job you've ever held? You can't say this one. Oh, why not? Well, I, I love <laughs> <laughs> You can't say this one. Uh, obviously, I, I mean, this has been my favorite job. I, I love, you know, I love campaigns. Um, campaigns are always so fun and you're just like building towards something. It's like a very really clear end goal. Um, I've got, I can't choose a favorite. I'm really, I'm going to suck at all <laughs> Okay, okay. We'll move to the next one. Heels or flats? Oh, God. Um, you know, aspirationally, I would say heels, <laughs> but reality is flats. Yeah, there's a lot of walking around this yeah. campus. Um, favorite pump-up song? Oh. God. It depends on my mood, like, what I'm walking towards, like, I have the Tigers forever, like, <laughs> bump up, bump up song. <laughs> My husband and I have this, like, really silly tradition where we, like, play that song to, like, pump each other up before, like, any that. big moment. Uh, but I also, like, you know, am a big fan of, like, any single time I, like, need, like, to, like, pump up, like, a, I don't know, like, a bad bunny or, like, yes. yeah. I would say those are my pop-up songs. Okay. Um, what is your favorite office wear brand? I say this because you are very stylish. Oh, thank you. The listeners you. need to know. Um, I love, oh, I do read the runway. So I, and I feel like I always order like Trina Turk, Black Halo um, would be my go-tos. Okay. But I read the runway is like the best thing because not yeah. an advertisement for them. <laughs> I've seen you carrying the bag and like scurrying out in the middle of this day to return the clothes. Um, okay, two more rapid fire questions. What were three words that you would use to describe yourself when you first started your career? Ooh, um, hungry, eager, um, 
hungry, eager, and ready. I don't know. I think those are good. Yeah. <laughs> what are three words you'd use to describe yourself now? Hmm. I would still say hungry. I would say blessed. Um, and what else? What is my third? I feel like ready is still accurate. Still ready. <laughs> still ready. Still ready. Okay, and then the last question. This is a question I ask everybody who comes on the pod. And I probably have asked you this before, honestly. What is one thing you know now that you wish you knew when you were first starting out? Hmm. I think, you know, just being confident and, like, your timing and um, trusting in, like, the process. And, um, you know, for me, I, I never in a million years, like, thought that I would end up here. Um, and I think it's just important to kind of remind yourself, you know, to um, give yourself grace and um, be open to every opportunity because you never know where something will take you. So I think just being as open as possible and not doubting yourself because you're not where you wanna be at that point and in that moment, you, you don't know what you're gonna gain from a specific experience. So I think just maximize every opportunity that you're in and um, give yourself grace. I think that's really beautifully said. Thank you so much, Jen, Thank for being you. here today. Thank you for making time. It is so wonderful to see you, and I hope I get to see you again soon. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Bye. Bye.